part of understanding who you are is understanding who you're not and who you have no interest in becoming. Does that make sense? And, and, and I think that's one of the mistakes. Oh, well, maybe I could do that. Maybe I should do that. Well, if you're busy trying to do all the things, you're not doing anything. And if you're busy constantly trying to turn into the new version of what you think you're supposed to be, you're not becoming into that best version of yourself. How is it going, ladies and gentlemen? This is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you back to The Way of the Wolf. Our guest today is a gentleman named David Rendell. I had the opportunity to see him speak at a conference in Vancouver about a month ago and knew I had to figure out how to get him on the show. He is an author, motivational speaker, has given a number of TED Talks, actually. He runs marathons, has a doctorate in organizational leadership, and his jacket game is on point, <laughs> for real. His mission and purpose is to help people understand that the things that make us weird actually make us wonderful. And the things that are our weaknesses can actually be our strengths if we let them. David, welcome to The Way of the Wolf. It's good to be here, man. Okay, there is a lot to unpack based on everything yeah. I just shared. Can you start by talking about your journey? And we're going to get into some of your books and things like that. Right. But how did you find yourself doing all of these things? Well, a lot of it was sort of by accident, right? When I was a kid, um, I was always in trouble because I couldn't sit still and be quiet and do what I was told. Um, so to end up getting paid to stand up and talk and run my own business, right, to become a professional speaker wasn't what I expected, right? Everybody said, my parents said, you're motor mouth. You got to stop it. You got to get it together. My teachers said, you're going to end up homeless and living in a van down by the river, right? Everybody, everybody knew that I was going to be a failure if I couldn't sit still, be quiet, and do what I was told. And I didn't know professional speaker was a thing. I didn't know that running ultra marathons was a thing. I didn't know that, you know, they were wrong when they said I was hyperactive. I didn't know there were outlets for a high level of activity, a high level of communication, a high level of control and influence, right? Um, so it was mostly by accident, right? It was, I was in a situation, for example, I was helping folks with disabilities to get job opportunities. I was reaching out to the community, getting involved in the Chamber of Commerce. And um, they said, would you be on the board? And I said, sure. And then once you're on the board, some, at some point you'll be the president. And when you're the president, you gotta run the banquets. And so you got to do five minutes to welcome everybody at the beginning of the banquet. And I'm standing up there, you know, in this little town of 4,000 people. I'm not like dominating some, you know, worldwide commerce or something, but it's my job to talk. And I'm making them laugh and they're paying attention, which a lot of people aren't doing at a chamber of commerce dinner. And I left that and I was like, wait a second. I, I enjoyed that. They seem to enjoy it. I just did a good job doing what people spent their whole life trying to stop me from doing, trying to keep me from doing, telling me was never. And that was like the seed, right? But it was all discovered sort of accidentally. Like, wait a second, the results I'm getting aren't the same results people told me to predict, right? The, 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 to expect. Uh, the results I'm getting are different. The sensations I'm having are different than what people told me. This seems to be working. I wonder if I really sort of dove into this, whether it, whether it would work. Yeah. Okay. Which is part of the reason I do the work that I do, because I wish someone would have told me sooner. I wish someone would have told my parents sooner. I wish someone would have told my teacher sooner. I wish somebody would have told my employer sooner. And so that's what I'm on a mission to do. Tell the kids, tell their parents, tell the teachers, tell the employers, like, look, 
Your weaknesses are strengths, your people's weaknesses are strengths. We need to stop. We're bad predictors of who's going to make it and who's not. Let's stop undermining people's confidence and their hope. And let's look for the strengths that no one else is seeing in these people. Yeah, that's such a good point. And you said something that struck me that I find kind of comical, living in a van down by the river. That's what a lot of people strive for these days. <laughs> right, that's the so, new, right, that's, that's the new how, cool thing to well, do. Well, that's another example, yeah. right, of, you know, as a kid, they were like, that's the worst thing that could happen to you. And now 30 years later, it's just like, um, you know, math teachers would say, well, you've got to learn this because it's not like you'll be walking around with a calculator in your pocket for the rest of your life. And it's <laughs> yeah. like... But you are. Yeah. And so since you are, then this idea that what they were teaching you was so important. And now forget that. Now you can just scan your, your, your math homework with your phone and it'll tell you the answer. Mm -hmm. And so in that world, what's the valuable skill? Is the valuable skill sitting there with a paper and a pencil and grinding all that out? Or was there some other skills that are valuable? And so I think that's another example. Not only can we not predict who's going to be successful, we can't even predict what the world's going to be like. You know, the internet wasn't a thing when I was growing up. So to, to run my business on my phone, to have Dropbox and be able to access my files from anybody, anywhere, to be able to share videos electronically instead of mailing people a VHS tape. Like a lot of the things that make my business possible didn't even exist at the time. The ability, I think, now in the 21st century to be unique, to stand out, to find an audience, it didn't exist in the same way before unless you wanted to start spending a lot of money running a direct mail campaign and hire multiple people to do administrative work for you now that can be done at a push of a button on your phone while you're flying to the event that you're going to. So not only are we bad at predicting who's going to be successful and who isn't, we're bad at predicting what the world's going to be like and therefore, what kind of person is going to be successful in that world? And I think that speaks to the importance of being valuable yeah. and understanding, hey, you have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to change if you want to be successful. And I run across a number of people that are very rigid in their approach to life and business. And at some point, it seems that they inevitably start to hit a wall and that maybe they can only scale their business to a certain point because of how rigid they are and unwilling to change. Whenever you come in and work with businesses and give speeches, do you do uh, coaching as well with yes, people? Is absolutely. that something that you've yeah. encountered? Yeah. Well, I think, I think there's some things we should be rigid with, and I think there's some things we should be flexible with, right? So I think at some point you need to know who you are. You need to know uh, if you don't like spreadsheets and you learned how to do them and you do them, but you don't like them, uh, you, you can at some point go, you know what, this isn't my thing. Right. And I'm not going to keep trying to bang my head against that wall. And meanwhile, I'm I seem to be getting better than average results when I spend time and energy on these kinds of activities. I'm going to spend more time on these kinds of activities. But I think you're right on certain things like approaches or technology or the tools or whatever it happens to be. And also just being open. You know, I'm learning things about myself. My daughters are um, now in graduate school, college, and late in high school. And so I'm spending more time at the house by myself. I have more control over my environment than I did when you have like three you know, preschoolers or even pre-teenagers running around. My schedule is less chaotic when it comes to the house. And I'm finding myself, you know, caring a little bit more about the way the refrigerator's organized, you know, <laughs> caring a little bit more about, you know, doing some of the shopping and, and managing some of the details and realizing I kind of like things to be the way I like things to be. Mm -hmm. 
But when my kids were little, that was the priority, and I didn't indulge in that, and so I kind of thought that didn't matter to me. And as I have more control over my environment, so I think even all throughout your life, you need to be improving your self-awareness. Um, I think the, the one thing that I'm worried about is that I think sometimes people feel like they should change everything, they have to change everything, who they are doesn't work, um, some other way would be better. And I think there's certain factors about our personality, um, our core values and things like that that should may remain the same while other things sort of you know, change around it. And we always need to be looking for that, that sort of new sense of self-awareness. So for example, one of the big things that I think is overused when it comes to change is uh, metamorphosis, right? People are like, oh, metamorphosis. And metamorphosis is when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, right? And it goes from this little grubby, you know, slimy, slow, fat <laughs> thing into this thing that can fly and has wings and is light and is beautiful and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, if, if you did that, that'd be pretty amazing, right? If I did that, if all of a sudden one of us had wings, if all of a sudden one of us, our body completely turned into something else, and you know, we went from being bland to being colorful, all that kind of stuff, that would be amazing. Here's the misunderstanding about that process. What does the caterpillar always turn into? Butterfly. Right. It doesn't turn into a rhinoceros. It doesn't turn it. No, does that make sense? No, that's <laughs> important, right? So yeah. you need to turn into your butterfly. I need to turn into my butterfly, but we don't turn into giraffes. We don't turn into rhinoceros. So you don't become something else, right? There's a core, right? There's a core that, that, that caterpillar has some core programming that allows it to transform in that particular way, right? So I think I've become much more successful. I think I've become much happier. I think I've become much more fulfilled, but I'm still building on that platform of can't sit still because I like to be moving, can't be quiet because I like to be talking, can't do what I'm told because I like to be in charge. And I've given up a long time ago on, well, I just need to, I've stopped trying to get better at those things, right? So I'm not trying to change my, and I tried for years, I'm not trying to change those things about myself, right? So I think there's certain things we need to embrace about who we are. And then I, uh, Jim Collins talks about it in Good to Great. It's like uh, preserve the core and then innovate around you know, the edges or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of the idea. But, but what, I, what I struggle with is oftentimes people will say like your comfort zone and then where the magic happens. I like being active. I like being on stage. I like doing all sorts of things that are also magic. I am comfortable. I think that's the, that's the idea is to merge those two. What if who you are and what you're comfortable with and what you're interested in and what you naturally gravitate towards, what if you looked for ways to use that in magical ways, right? And what, what would your life be? Yeah. I'm flashing back to the, the majority of my life and career I was spent in technology. Uh -huh. I was always the introverted, IT nerd, right. shy, quiet, right. reserved right. to myself. Right. Right. In my mid-30s, I started seeking out something. I wasn't fulfilled. Right, right, right. And I started seeking out a challenge yeah. and I was presented with an opportunity to lead human resources at the company that I was working for. Yeah. Uh, far cry from information technology where it's all data and Almost logic the to 3000% yeah. emotion yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it pushed me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. But what it also did is it gave me exposure to something that completely changed my life in terms of I, I now realize that 
leadership development and coaching and mentoring is my passion and right. purpose in life. Right. I had to learn a lot of skills to evolve into my version of a butterfly right. and public speaking, being behind a camera and a microphone, not comfortable at all. I will never forget the first time I had to present to a group of executives in a room and I was like almost yeah. broke the podium because yeah. I was so nervous. It took years of intentional effort sure. and I didn't even know exactly what the end result was going to be. But looking back now, I wouldn't change it for the world. Right. So my question to you is how do we help more people go through that process? Yeah. So I think one of the interesting things you said is I was looking for a challenge, right? So you weren't actually, so this is a weird thing because comfort is a weird thing to talk about. You weren't comfortable. You were sort of uncomfortable, right? You're like, eh, I think there's more. Mm -hmm. I think there's something more interesting, something more exciting, something beyond, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I'll give you a simple example. One of my, have you ever taken the StrengthsFinder assessment? Uh, actually, I haven't. I've done a number of behavioral yeah. assessments, but, but not StrengthsFinder. is nice because it's just like, here's what's good about you and okay. go with it. You know, right. <laughs> And it's so different than all yeah. the other ones, right? Well, yeah. you don't have this and you're missing that. Yeah. And so one of mine is achiever. I like to accomplish things, okay. right? And so one of the interesting things about being an achiever is I can feel satisfaction from clearing shows off my DVR. Right? Yeah. Like during the pandemic, me and my daughter cleared <laughs> yeah. off, like we cleared them off. We're yeah. like... We did it. Yeah. We, we, we knocked it out. <laughs> I can get satisfaction from walking out to get the mail mm -hmm. because I like to. So sometimes we miss sort of the underlying thing. You're like, I was looking for a challenge. If somebody wants a challenge, they're going to have a great life. If you're a person who pursues challenges, who's looking for something to tackle, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I think that's one of the things we want to encourage people to never stop learning about themselves. The first thing I talk about in the book is awareness, right? Who are you, right? So I think sometimes we don't know where who we think we're supposed to be or who we think our job wants us to be or who we think society told us we should be. And so I think one of the things I encourage people to do, and I think it's the answer to your question, is to experiment. Uh, you know, do, what do you like? Mm -hmm. What do you enjoy? What could you be successful at? What could be fulfilling? There's a difference between I was nervous the first time I gave a speech and I shouldn't be up giving speeches. Mm -hmm. Right? Because there's people who, it's not that they're nervous, there's people who don't want to be up front. There's people who love to be behind the scenes. It isn't a psychological uh, quirk, it's not a problem. They're a person, they don't want to be up front, not because they're nervous about it, but because they like to make things happen behind the scenes. They don't want to be the face of it. Mm -hmm. And also, we need people like that, right? And so it's telling someone like that that you don't need to push yourself to go, right? But maybe they need to push themselves in some other ways, right? And I think that's sometimes hard to know. You know, you'll see a lot of people talk about, like, in my 20s, I was partied all the time, and now in my 30s, I like to be in bed by 9.30. Mm -hmm. One person would say, oh, that person changed. What I would say is that person learned in their 20s of going out all the time and doing all those things. I don't actually like that. I was trying to be liked. I was trying to be accepted. I was exploring. I was discovering. I didn't actually enjoy it. And then once I had opportunities or once I had a stable relationship where I didn't need to be looking for someone to like me and accept me, mm -hmm. I realized I'm a 9.30 in bed kind of person. Yeah. And now I go to bed at 9.30. And I'm not looking for, right? So I think one of the answers for anybody is experiment with stuff. What The mistake, I think, is that people... What I would say is experiment with stuff and when you see something working or when you're enjoying it or when you see success, keep going with that. If you don't, ask yourself, well, could this maybe be something that just isn't for me, right? There was a guy one time who told me um, when he has a bad day, he likes to go home, 
crack open a bottle of wine, pour himself a glass, sit down in his favorite chair, open up his laptop. I'm like, oh, I don't think I want to hear the rest of this. Um, <laughs> and then he said, and this blew my mind, I like to fire up some spreadsheets. And so this is what I was saying earlier about change. I don't, I can teach you how to do spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. I can teach you how to do them well. I can teach you how to use them in a way that make you more successful. I cannot teach you to love them so much you find it soothing after a difficult, does that make sense? That's what I'm saying is inside, right? So I was nervous the first time I did a presentation too and I was, my notes were shaking so I grabbed with two hands which just doubled the shaking. But now I don't feel that way because I do it consistently but I also had that drive, right? It's like my first book was about leadership and I still believe that anybody can be a leader but I don't believe everybody wants to be, mm -hmm. right? And so I can help you become a leader if you want to be but I can't help you become a leader if that's just not your thing, if you're not interested. And there are, quite honestly, some people are like, what do you need me to do? How can I help? How can I support? And again, we need that, you know, we need that in our world. And so, you know, I want everyone to know it's possible mm -hmm. and you don't have to get promoted or be the boss to be a leader, but I don't want people to feel like they should or it's better, or if you like it this way, you can't sort of do it in any other way. Yeah, I've actually had a few episodes in the past where I talk about the role of being a leader, which I'm sure you've read Liz Wiseman's book, Multipliers, love that book. When you transition into that leadership role, you become a force multiplier and you are less of that individual contributor. And sometimes right. you see people that are very high performing individual contributors and you think, my God, what could they do with an entire team behind them? You put them in a leadership role and they drown because they're not people people yeah they want to work in those spreadsheets that's what suits it's a different them. it's a different skill set it is yeah. it's a different skill set and i think one of the things that i've enjoyed doing in my career and working with teams and people is pushing them out of their comfort zone and helping them realize uh maybe i'm not supposed to be a leader because there's this, this no, but that's awe. a good one right i'm gonna push you outside of where you think you're comfortable and to discover if you can find comfort there or if you should go back, right? So my story is actually, you know, I moved up through management up to the COO level of nonprofit organizations. You know, the CEO had the weirdest way of saying, it. he's like, if I get hit by a bus, you're the guy, you know? And it's like, I don't, oh. And then at some point I'm like, I hope we find, can we, can we get you in more of an area with buses? <laughs> um, but then I quit doing that to become a college professor. I went from leader to individual performer. And even that, there's still some level of teamwork in that organization. Then I went to solo entrepreneur, right? That isn't me failing to grow. That's me growing in the way that fit me best. I was succeeding as a leader, but I didn't love it in the same way that I love being an individual contributor. I, don't, I didn't like and I didn't get any pleasure from being responsible for your behavior. Mm -hmm. And even as a teacher... I was good with the high-performing students who wanted to get better. I wasn't here to drag you kicking and screaming through the course if you didn't want it, right? Now, meanwhile, there's other people who do that and they ignore the good students because they're like, that person's doing fine, that, that person doesn't need any help, that doesn't, person doesn't need any support. So that's one of the things is I've, now, have I, had to, have I had to learn new things to be a solo entrepreneur? Absolutely. Have I had to learn new things to run a business and own a business and be a professional speaker? Absolutely. But again, I think that's the difference. I left an area where it's not like, oh, well, you're not comfortable, but get more comfortable or figure it out or fight it. It was like, I did it long enough. I was 
successful at it and competent at it, but I could tell it wasn't my thing. And then, then I did teaching and that was better, but I didn't like the organizational nonsense that went with it. And then I started my own business, but that was consulting and that was better, but it wasn't perfect. And then training and speaking was better, but then I discovered keynote speaking and it was like, that's it right? That's it. So I think that's that experimentation, but the experimentation doesn't always have to be up or always better. Sometimes it can be back. One of the things I admire about the NFL is National Football League, you don't want to, you know, uh, with coaches is there'll be a great offensive or defensive coordinator, which is basically like the assistant coach, right? They're second in command and oftentimes they run big parts of the game. They'll get hired to be a head coach somewhere and they'll fail. And in most organizations, if you go up to CEO and you fail, you're out. And even other organizations are oftentimes like, uh, you're kind of tainted and they're not interested. What they do in the NFL is other people just go, oh, well, you were a great offensive coordinator. And sure, you weren't a great head coach, but that's a different thing. So would you like to be my offensive coordinator and be amazing and help me win a Super Bowl? And this happens over and over and over and over again, where somebody tested it out. It wasn't their thing. Even Nick Saban, he's the most successful college coach in years, maybe ever, and he went to the NFL and was an absolute flop. Like he wasn't below average. He was awful. It was comically terrible, right? Because college football is different from, so should he keep fighting to go back to the NFL and become a good NFL coach? Is that better or should he continue being, right? He, he tried it. He learned, so I think that's, we always wanna be open to change and trying things, um, but we also wanna have a firm sense of who we are and look to, and that's why I love StrengthsFinder, for example, in my assessment, what are your strengths and does this thing, regardless of what it is, does it tap into those core strengths or is it, is it causing you to fight who you are? So a simple example I give is, sure, I should change, I should grow. But if I told you at six foot six, that my goal in life was to be a jockey and ride a horse to victory in the Kentucky Derby, you should tell me that's a terrible idea. But most people won't. Because they're like, well, Dave, you know, believe it. You know, and that's, and, and I think those same things are true for us internally in ways that we don't oftentimes recognize. So we're like, oh, you're super analytical. Well, why don't you just be more emotional? Or why, you're super, why don't you just, and it's like, well, is that better? Or is that just a different thing? that isn't any better or worse and is just gonna come with different challenges. So I think you wanna change, you wanna experiment. I mean, I let my kids, uh, it's a little bit controversial with some people, I would let them quit sports. Because when you're seven and you signed up for softball, you didn't know what you were getting into. And if I teach you that you can try something out and quit it, then you'll be willing to try the next thing. But if I say, well, you signed up, so for the next seven months you have to be miserable because you made a commitment to that. No, now you can go try soccer and you quit it and you can try this and you can quit it. You can try this and then there it is, right? Um, and so my youngest daughter, she quit, she's quit literally some things twice. She's quit everything she's ever tried, but then she found swimming. She has a natural ability at swimming and it's just taken over. But we, we let her quit all the things, you know, so that experimentation is crucial. How do I know so I can get that awareness? How can I know who I am? How can I know what's going to work for me? Yeah. How do you balance that with giving somebody the opportunity to have enough seat time well, sure. to figure that sure. out. Because yeah. I've, I've seen people that will go try their hand at being an entrepreneur, try this and this and this, and they give themselves three months, six months, well, this sure. isn't working. And right. they throw their hands up and go right. do something, yeah. something else. But 
you know, one of the things with this show and in my life, I've come to realize is it takes time. I've sure. had the show for two years now. Yeah. My followers counts aren't where I would like them to be, but this is my passion and purpose. And I'm not as worried about the numbers as much as I'm worried about the impact. So how do you ensure that somebody is putting enough seat time into it. It's going to be different for all sorts of people. I mean, my one daughter never even tried anything and quit anything. My oldest daughter, every time it was like time to sign up for fall sports, we'd say, do you want to? And she had enough self-awareness to go like this. Um, I don't like group activities. I'm not that coordinated. I don't want to get hurt. I don't like chaos. I'm out, right? And that's what all the sports were. Basketball, baseball, soccer. Yeah. Right. Uh, softball for girls. Um, and so, but we would give her the chance and maybe she, you know, so we wouldn't push her, but in the spring, Hey, it's time for spring sport. No, I don't want to do it. Fall sports. No, I don't want to do it. Finally in sixth grade, there was a new teacher who had a swimming background. She started a swim team. The school didn't have a swim team. Swimming is individual, not group. There's no ball involved. The coordination is very limited. You do the same thing over and over and over and over again. It's not loud. Your head is literally inside the water, right? There's nobody else in your lane who can touch you or bump into you, right? And my daughter literally wrote essays in high school about how the pool was her happy place, right? So I think some people have enough self-awareness to say, I know who I am and I can look at that situation from the outside and go, that's not my thing. I think other people not only need time, they need significant time to sort of, you know, take it in. So I think that's going to depend on the person. Mm -hmm. Um, And for some people, you know, I I think, you know, some people are going to be more of samplers. Some people are going to be people who try things, do things, and they want to move because their thing is variety. And so, again, one of the things I do in my Amplify assessment, which is related to the book, is say if, like, you're a person who's always liking to try new things, it gives them advice for how do you find environments that create a constant amount of variety. So for me, I have a certain amount of that with me. Like, I almost started going insane during the pandemic. Like, I'm like, I'm used to traveling. I'm used to meeting different people. I'm used to going to different places. I'm used to speaking to different audiences. I'm used to, and all of a sudden, it's wake up at home, 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 right? And so I have a job that allows me to have a lot of variety. I'm gonna go speak to a chemical company today and I just spoke to home care people and I'm speaking on somebody's podcast and I'm gonna do a phone call with somebody who works at a mining company and then my life and work has a lot of variety. So some people, they don't see um, staying in something for a long period of time as stability or security, they see it as suffocating and horrifying and terrifying, right? So. If somebody seems to be jumping and jumping and jumping and jumping, one of the questions is, okay, if you like a certain amount of variety and change, what is an environment that would offer that, but it would, you'd be able to be successful with it? You know, that's the goal. It's not you're constantly leaving something and changing something, right? I'm flashing back to a friend of mine that has owned a gym for, God, over 20 years. His name is Scott Wells. Had him on the podcast. And he's done exactly what you described. He has a a great facility right here in Conroe. And he, he needs that variety. And his programming at its core is based on like a West Side Conjugate method. But he incorporates elements of cardio. And whenever I say he needs the variety, there are phases where he'll go through... He gets big into boxing. 
Yeah. Or sometimes he gets big into distance running or sometimes bodybuilding. And so he incorporates elements of that. And it's almost comical. Some of the people that have been training there for years, like, oh, okay, well, Scott's on a boxing kick. I guess we're going to have bags in the gym now type of a thing. And some people, that's exciting. I mean, you'll see people who they'll be on Zumba and then they get bored with that. And then they get on, they're always doing something fitness related and they're always staying active, but they're not that person who laces up their shoes and goes, for a 3.1 mile run every morning at 527, right? And then we give those people a hard time sometimes about be more persistent or be more focused or be more committed instead of saying, and there's a lot of good evidence, right? Muscle confusion, that if you do the same thing over and over again, your body sort of gets used to it in some ways and you start to lose some of the benefits and that mixing it up can be valuable, but also if that's what you need as a person, yep. ugh, I don't wanna do more Mm -hmm. of this with the sandbags. I don't want to do more kettlebells. I don't want to do more, you know, and all of a sudden you're pushing your body in a different way. And then you go back to more of a strength training thing. And then you go into more of a cardio phase that that does kind of build a more well-balanced, you know, well-rounded body and, yeah. and mind and things like that. So I, I think there's all sorts of evidence for that, but there's also, you know, some people, they're never going to do that. They've been running for 40 years. They're going to run for another 20 years and they're fine and they don't need to mix yeah. it up. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things to learn is like he's doing that and he's changing and he's adapting. But also, I think if you said to him, here's, I think, the mistake we make. We say, oh, that person's really disciplined to keep pushing themselves over the years and to change it and mix it up. And, to, you know, that's one perspective. Another perspective is maybe... If you told him he has to do the same CrossFit workout for the next 20 years, he'd drop out of fitness altogether mm -hmm. because he doesn't actually have the discipline to do the same thing every mm -hmm. day because that would be soul-sucking and boring and routine and uninteresting. Does that make sense? It does. And so for him, it would actually... Some people who are really fit, they yell at everybody about discipline. If you told them, I need you to sit on the couch for three weeks and do nothing and only watch TV with your feet up, they don't have the discipline to do that, right? They get antsy on day one. They're like, can I go for a walk at least? Some people won't do their recovery days. Yeah. That would actually be good for them. Well, if you really had discipline, you could. And the reason I know this is true is because it's happened to me as well as an ultra endurance athlete. You watch these people get injured and they don't handle it well. They go into depression. They get all sorts of anxiety. They refuse to, they got to put their foot up, but they're going to try to do something with their arms. If you really truly were just disciplined and you were just doing what you were supposed to do, you'd follow all the instructions, but you can't because your body craves a certain amount of activity, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that's one of the things I like to read and that's why I read. And then some people yell at people for not reading. It's like, I've learned over the years, I don't read because I'm supposed to, I read because I like it, yeah. right? And so what I try to do is say, who are you? What do you like? What are you good at? And how can you find productive ways to use that in this world? Instead of how can you constantly feel like life is fighting, that you're fighting yourself, that you constantly have to be fighting everything mm -hmm. instead of surfing it, riding it, using it in some ways. And I think the metaphor to go all the way back to is, okay, fine, you are a caterpillar and you don't like that. But what's your butterfly, right? Because you don't get to just, I don't get to be a jockey. Mm -hmm. I graduated high school 6'4", 145. 
I didn't get to be an offensive lineman in the NFL, right? I don't even get to be a JV girls basketball player at that weight, right? Like, that's not cool, right? But it wasn't a lack of discipline. It wasn't a lack of effort. It was genetics, yeah. right? It was genetics. And so I built a life around who I was. And I went to a very small school and I got a scholarship and it helped put me through, through, through college and I played basketball, but at a very, very low level because I didn't, I wasn't, I, I still can't believe it. I'm 50 years old. I watch these guys in the NCAA tournament, the basketball championship, and they're like, uh, so-and-so is a freshman. Dude's got a full beard, like, and he shaved this morning and he had a full beard. You know what I mean? He has 10.30 a.m. shadow, not five o'clock yeah. shadow, right? And he's got muscles that are just like breaking out of the and, and I don't even know why he's had the tit, time to get the tattoos that he's had like you haven't even been alive that long how have you had that much chair time and so you know that's that's a gift right that's a gift and and you can tell some 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 four and a half foot tall you know guy that he's going to make it in the NBA and he's not um, and you can tell him if he tries and believes, or you can tell him what do what do small people do? You know, soccer, for example. What's what's an activity, or maybe is it a sport at all? There's all sorts of things you could be doing that are different, right? Yeah. Um, Real quick. Sure, why that? So I think that's what I try to encourage people to be. I think we should push ourselves. Um, Oh, another way to think about it is that comfort zone. Go to the edges and push the edges. Don't go jump somewhere off well into the distance and try to pull those two things together. And again, I think also, have you really explored where you are comfortable? I like being alone or I like being with people. I like, have you really, have you, have you asked what are the productive and valuable uses of that characteristic that I have? Have you, have you, have you pushed every limit in that area or are you just convinced because of what other people say and other people, Oh, I should do more networking. I'm too solo. I'm too by myself. I'm too quiet. I'm too reserved. I'm too, Oh, there's all these benefits. Cause the thing is whoever's selling you the benefits of getting out there and being more extroverted, if you were extroverted, guess what they'd be selling you? Oh, we're doing this silent retreat. Sean, do you want to come and spend four days in complete silence? And you'd be like, no, no. I don't. Well, are you afraid of yourself? Are you afraid of your thoughts? Are you afraid? No, that's just, but meanwhile, that person who should be going to the silent retreat is going to the networking retreat because yeah. they're supposed to get out there. And so that's all I'm saying is like, that's still going to push you. Mm -hmm. I don't care how introverted you are going to a silent retreat for five days. Yeah. That's going to push you. Yeah. It's also going to help you find how introverted am I? Are you introverted compared to the people you're hanging out with and you're actually not that introverted at all? Or is there like a thing? Yeah. Like, I mean, there was somebody I was, I forget, recently some famous person and they have this sister who's like lived in a cave for the last seven years and hasn't talked to anybody or whatever. Like that's a whole, that's a whole, a whole different level. level. Yeah. Because you put most people in solitary confinement and it actually creates psychological disorder, right? If I crave or need and that's most people a certain amount of human interaction but for other people it's like oh thank you shut the door get rid of all the people i mean some people thrive during lockdown and other people struggle during lockdown yep. because some people are designed to have a certain level of comfort with control over their environment aloneness all those kinds of things other people are programmed to need and want and there's nothing wrong with that so to say to the one person you need to get out there and the other person you need to be more comfortable in lockdown i think that's a mistake i think the question is since you're so comfortable like that how can you build a life around that that's valuable and useful and also how can you make sure you're pushing up against the edges every now and then to make sure you haven't hemmed yourself in unnecessarily right well um, whenever i hear that the first thing that comes to mind for me is when the lockdown started to occur i 
was leading information technology teams and human resources. Yeah. It was such a stark contrast in how both teams responded. The IT team, who was a phenomenal team, their productivity went even higher, yeah. whereas the HR team- They were team, born, literally born for this. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And then the, the people on the HR team, the isolation was debilitating. Yeah. And I spent countless hours on Teams calls, video chats, just trying to it's talk also related them to the work. Ledge. What does HR stand for? Human relations, and now all of a sudden you're dramatically inhibiting yep. human relations. Whereas IT is not dependent on human to human contact. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I do want to touch on the book here. Yeah. So this book is Freak Factor. I actually started reading it. I got to uh, page seventy six or so. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, the, there's a joke there which we'll we'll touch on here. But I do I'd like to read something out of it that just oh, kind of this. beautifully summarizes. Bedtime story. Yeah, exactly. If you go out to a golf course and tee off with a basketball, you can be sure that you won't be getting a hole in one. In fact, you'll never sink a single putt. It's not that there's anything inherently wrong with the basketball, it just deserves a different context where its features are perfect. To see what I mean, try dribbling a golf ball down a basketball court on a fast break and taking a three-point shot right before the buzzer. You could be using the best golf ball available, but it's clearly the wrong setting for its qualities. Here's the good news. You're a freak of nature. There's no one else in the world who can exactly replicate your unique combination of genetics background and personal experience. You're one of a kind. There has never been and will never be another you. This book will help you make the most of this astonishing fact in your life and work. What prompted you to write this? Because I wish someone would have told me that when I was a kid, right? I wish somebody would have told me that early in my career. I wish somebody would have told my parents that. I wish somebody would have told my teachers that. I wish. And so I'm on a mission. So many people say, oh, I needed this. I wish I would have heard this years ago. I wish my child, I need my child to hear this. That's why I wrote a kid's version of it and, and put the video on YouTube so anybody could see it. So that's what I'm passionate about. I mean, I finished one in, I finished a speech in Perth, Western Australia one time. And this lady walked down to me. I had to run to the airport. She grabbed me before I left. Uh, and she said, our daughter has dyslexia and now we have hope, right? And so I'm on a mission for those people who feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not right. I'm not normal enough. Um, I don't have what it takes. Um, I'm not the kind of person who succeeds. I'm not the person who can succeed. I'm not a good person. Um, that they see that oftentimes the thing that other people have been criticizing them for, you're too quiet, you're too shy, you're too loud, you're too, and that's the thing. Whatever your thing is, somebody's criticizing people for the other end too, right? And so then we think, oh, go to the middle. And then on the middle, they're like, don't you have enough of, and how come you don't have enough of, and you're never making anybody happy. So at some point it comes down to saying, you know, if I'm a basketball, how do I find those basketball courts? If I'm a golf ball, how do I get myself onto the golf course? But what too many people do is go, I'm a golf ball and I'm not a basketball, so I'm too small. Um, I'm not soft enough. I'm not filled with air. And they spend their whole life trying to somehow become a basketball and thinking they could. Instead of just saying, I am good for what I am good for and how do I put myself in those situations? So there's a classic quote that says, if you have a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. And what people interpret that is to say, so don't do that and be careful. And, and what I say is if you're a hammer, start looking for nails. 
you know, start looking for situations and hammers aren't just good for hammering nails, they're also good for prying things out and stuff like that. If you're a hammer, that's valuable, right? But don't try to be a screwdriver. But I think the mistake that we make, and I was talking to somebody about this earlier because I was talking um, to someone who helps folks with developmental disabilities and that's where I started my career. You don't fix a developmental disability. You can't change it. You have to work with what the person has. That's the disability. The disability is the, the uh, significant inability to learn and change. And so the only thing that matters is what does the person like and what are they good at? And I think that's what really matters with the rest of us because I think we over actually overestimate people's ability to change the big stuff, right? That's why I use height as an example. So someone's quiet, likes to be to themselves. We want to pull them out of their comfort zone. Someone's loud and likes to interact with people they've never met and they make friends at restaurants on their way to the table and we want to tell them to learn how to go to the silent retreat. Instead of saying, how do you build a life around the fact that you seem to, right? How do you build a life around the fact? And that's, that's what I'm talking about. Discover, oh, I thought I was a golf ball, but it turns out I'm actually a super ball, right? It seemed like it's very similar and there's actually a super ball inside of a golf ball, but I don't have the hard shell actually. And I'm, I'm not good on a golf course. I'm actually, right? Um, it seemed like it was close, but I'm a tennis ball. I'm actually a little bigger than that. I'm still not a basketball. And I'm a volleyball. I'm a, right? How do you get clarity on what that is? And then once you do, now you can really, in a focused way, create a life where you're successful and you're valued, not for being something you're not, but for being something that you are, right? So, right, I think back to your original question, I think we need to be careful we don't limit ourselves. At the same time, I don't think it's limiting to say, like, for StrengthsFinder, it says that I'm an achiever, I'm an activator, I love ideation, I love input, and I love command. Those are my five strengths. When people go, I don't want to be pigeonholed. What happens when you combine achiever, activator, ideation, input, and command, right? There's ways to combine that in so many different, I do coaching, I do speaking, I do writing, I do, and all of those fit that. I do long distance running, and that's just a hobby. I don't get paid for that. My life is built around a, combina a unique combination of these separate strengths. It's not, it's not limiting, it's not narrowing, it's not pigeonholing, it's opening up a whole wide world because it excludes all sorts of things. Part of understanding who you are is understanding who you're not and who you have no interest in becoming. Does that make sense? And, and, and I think that's one of the mistakes. Oh, well, maybe I could do that. Maybe I should do that. Well, if you're busy trying to do all the things, you're not doing anything. And if you're busy constantly trying to turn into the new version of what you think you're supposed to be, you're not becoming into that best version of yourself. I love it. Okay, I know we've got a hard stop coming up soon. Thank yeah. you so yeah. much. How do people contact you? drendall.com, D-R-E-N-D-A-L-L.com. Also, if you just Google David Rendell or you Google The Freak Factor, I own most of the first page. There is an opera singer in England named David Rendell, and so all of my information is correct, but they have me being born in 1945 and married to a very old British lady. Okay, so um, I saw so, all of that, yeah. which was a little bit yeah. confusing, but I appreciate the clarity And I've there. tried to contact them. They have no interest in, you know, they're <laughs> scraping the internet, and they yeah. think they... So the good news is my books are on there and my websites are on there, and my videos are on there but people I did have somebody one time contact me about a speech and their first question on zoom was we've got to know are you just a killer 75 year old like are you doing it are you doing it that good or is there something we don't understand yeah. here and also what happened to your British accent 
Okay, all right. So for all of you watching or listening, I will have Dave's contact info in the show notes. Please go out and Google him. You will find a myriad of information, some of his TED Talks, really, really great stuff. Yeah. Dave, thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming on the show. All right, have a good all one. All right, have a good one.